0: Connie, thank you. One of the things I wanted to share with people this morning is, you know, why do we do our meetings? Why is this important? And uh, the the training, the mindset that we set with what David just shared with us a minute ago, you know, you can eat an elephant one bite at a time. And David was an example of doing that this year. Lydia, uh, uh, Raphael, a number of people. Uh, that's exactly what they've done. They've just taken one goal at a time, broke that one, and moved forward. But there's a guy by the name of Andy Grove, and none of us have ever heard of Andy, but he was a mentor to Steve Jobs, Larry Ellison, and Mark Zuckerberg. And uh, these guys were all high-tech people without particularly good communication skills. And Grove changed that. Uh, he also got all of these guys reading over 100 books a year, but he really zeroed in on being able to communicate. Uh, I had an uncle who was a chemist that came up with a, a shampoo years ago that was brilliant. Guy couldn't carry on a conversation in front of a crowd for anything. And I remember one summer, his son was involved in a car wreck here in Ohio, and they came down and spent two weeks with us. And I just share, I'm 19 years old, 20 years old, I'm in college, what do I know? But... Um, I shared with him how our presentations worked, and I I took his shampoo and put together a presentation on how I would do it to the board. And he went back, they bought into it, and the company made a fortune, and he made a big bonus. And he commented years later, I never would have gotten that bonus without you changing the way I looked at what I had done. And that's what this is all about here. Um, I wanted to share with you too uh, this concept of why this is so important. Um, Grove went on to point out, he says, you know, your career is your business, and you are the CEO of your own business, and to be in common and somewhat in a complacency mode, that breeds failure. And as the CEO of your own career, you must continually improve your skills and especially your art of communication. Now the best part of all this is all of you on this call now today can say you have the same mentor as Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg because you're getting the same information they were. And I think when we start realizing that it's important, he went on to point out uh, another high-tech company that the CEO became almost obsessed with communication skills to the point that they developed a scale of 1 to 5 to grade people on. And a 3.5 or below, it didn't matter how brilliant the person was, they weren't going to communicate the things they created well enough to be promoted. But the 4s to 4.5s, everybody in their management team had to be at least a 4.0 or better in order to be promoted because they put so much emphasis on that communication. And uh, the CEO, he too was rated. Whenever he gave a presentation, they had people in there doing it. In 1996, when he took over the company, think about this for a second. When he took over the company, most of the people were three to uh, or less in communication skills. They were doing $70 million a year in revenue. 10 years later, all the leadership had improved and they went from $70 million to $40 billion in revenue. Why? Because everybody in leadership had to score at least a four or better in their communication skills. Now, Connie posted a podcast yesterday about communication uh, on GroupMe, and, guys, that falls right in line with what we're talking about here. You know, <clears throat> it was a
1: fireside chat about personal development from Entree Leadership, and I would hope that you would all plug into that and um, – Listen a couple of times, there's a lot of really good in insight there, um, but personal development plays such a big role in your communication skills. Um, one of Dick's favorite books on communication is by John Maxwell, and it's Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. If you've noticed a little bit of a pattern in the uh, Equus Books of the Month, um, They're falling into a group of people of which John Maxwell is one. So any Maxwell book is great, but if you're looking at improving your communication skills, this one, Everyone Communicates, Few Connect, is one you need to have on your um, uh, bookshelf. And I really take a shout out to, uh, I believe it was uh, Dawn saying that she's going to be listening to uh, or reading uh, Hungry Homebook hustle uh, on the airplane to convention. So uh, that will be time well spent.
0: Thank you, Connie. Um, I did want Marcia to come on this morning because she practiced the epitome of what we're talking about here in terms of the communication. And she had a client that she had to reschedule three different times, and it really pointed out the patience, mm-hmm. how patience prevailed for her. And um, Marcia, if you could hop on here with us. I have a question uh, to start kind of things off here, uh, let me know you're on, and we'll go from there.
2: Can you hear me, Dick?
0: We sure can. Uh, now, this this client was not particularly difficult, but not particularly easy. Uh, when you got there, what was her response to you about what she needed and or why?
2: Well, I'd scheduled the appointment like in late October, so We had it just this last week, and we kind of did an open-arm hug, like, hey, I finally get to see you. All right. Um, But she said, I really don't think that I need anything from you, but we tried so hard to get in touch. I just want to meet you. And so I said, well, all we're going to do is go over what you've got and and see if there's anything missing, and I, I fill in the gaps. I said, you know, it sounds like you've done a good job. I'll just, you know, all I'm going to do is show you what we have available, and if it makes sense will move forward. And if it doesn't, you're going to know that you know.
0: Now, I want people to listen because what we're trying to dial in on here is the fact that Marcia wasn't trying to sell this lady anything. She was trying to determine if there was a need. I do have a question for you. Uh, what questions uh, did you ask her to ga- engage her to listen to you?
2: In, in initially, to get the appointment.
0: No, once you, you mean? got to the house, once you got to the house, you kind of ran into this. Some people would say a brick wall. I don't need anything, and they, you know, kind of crumble and fold up the the thing and head to the house. But you obviously you shared with her a little bit, and um, was there anything? that you feel like that you were able to ask her or share with her? Did Did you look at it more from the standpoint, I'm going to educate you? Um, I was just going to chat there? with her. So we talked about her trip a minute. We talked about her animals. We, we
2: connected. So she trusted me. And um, I said, I need to hear all about Ireland. I was so sad not to be able to meet with you. <laughs> Tell me how that was. That's on my bucket list. And we talked about Ireland for a minute. And then she had this beautiful hardwood floor. And I mentioned, I said, now, if you get a scratch, if you take a nut and you rub it in there, I said, it won't make the scratch go away, but it'll pick up the color of the floor. She said, that is amazing. And then we just went on to talking. And um, she said, I really don't think I need this. And I said, well, tell me what you've got going. And she said, well, I've got this. My husband died six months ago. And I have this pension, and and it's really taken care of. I've got my three boys, they're policemen, and and they don't make a lot of money, and that's where the light went off for me. She has three boys with an honorable profession that don't earn much money, and she has a pension. She was thinking they could just cash it out and use whatever they needed to pay off the condo or sell it. And I said, well, that's certainly one way. I said, but would it be nice if you could just put their names on that, and you get a small policy that would take care of maintaining your it would be critical protection. I just said it would It would make sure that you don't lose your home. They'd have money to pay the bills, no matter what was going on in their life, so that you could list the property and not have a fire sale. And then they don't have to cash out on the money, no matter where the market is. Well, she said, well, you know what, that does make sense. And so we looked up a few numbers. She said, well, this is very affordable. And I said, well, good. That's why I'm here.
0: Let me ask you this. She rescheduled three th- three times. Uh, I think part of the reason, I mean, life did get in the way, you know, with the things mm-hmm. you shared, but it sounds like she's got this nagging thing in the back of her mind, I don't need it, and it's going to be too expensive. It, would that mm-hmm. be a fair assessment? Completely, because she thought it was going to be a lot more. She was like, wow. So the, the thing that really turned this around was you listening, and when she made the comment about the boys being policemen and not having a lot, You you zeroed in on that, realizing that that was important to her to make sure that they were taken care of a little better than maybe she had had even hoped for.
2: Well, exactly, because if she did it her way, then the money would go fast. This way, it could still continue to grow.
0: Okay. Let me explain to everybody on the call why I'm going down this rabbit trail here uh, and why this is important. You know, when we walk into a sale, and I'm going to use an automatic automatic transmission in a car as an example because I think it's a good way to drive on this point. If somebody's mind is in reverse, I'm not doing anything, uh, I don't need anything, I'm not interested, uh, I'm not going to do this, they've got five or six reasons on why they don't want to move it. Their mind is in reverse. Now, if you take that, that transmission and you jerk it into forward real quick, what's going to happen? You're going to tear the transmission out. But, when people's minds, they're not willing to move forward when they're in reverse. so what do you have to do first? The first thing you have to do is move that your chef level or in their mind from reverse to neutral. Once we get into the neutral stage, which is what Marcia did very, very well when she was connecting with the lady, the nut fixing the scratch on the floor, the trip to Ireland, those were all things that got her mind out of reverse into neutral. Once it's in neutral, now it becomes a little more open and more like a sponge so that you can add more things to it and then move forward. In that process of getting it into neutral, she discovered what? She discovered which button to push to put the lady's uh, mindset in a move forward, and that was taking care of her sons who were policemen. Um, Guys, this is an important concept to understand. It's concept selling, but this is an important concept to realize how people's minds move. And I'm going to contrast this in just a minute with another case that happened last week that didn't go well for the other agent but went well for our agents in the same situation here. Um, So I think it's safe to say that the turning point that you saw – was there anything more to this? Because I think when you caught there, she, her mindset was her Edward Jones account was all she needed. But you did something to make her realize that the Edward Jones account may not be the end all and everything she, that she she, she actually wanted to pay off the house.
2: And so she was way off in the left field. Um So I got her out of paying off the house if she wasn't going to stay. I said, are one of your boys going to move into it? She said, well, I don't think so. I said, then that's a pretty high premium. Why don't we look at a a bucket of cash that comes to you? You know, so I I took her from let's pay off the whole thing, the old school thinking, and kind of moved her over.
0: All right, boy, that's huge. Guys, let me point out something to you, because a lot of times people think, if they owe 300000 on the house and they can dump 200000 into it, wow, I've just protected my mortgage. No, what they've just done is made their mortgage more vulnerable because if you owe 290000 on a $300,000 house and you default on that mortgage, you are the last person in line the bank wants to foreclose on because they're going to take a bath. Because they know that house is going to sell for two forty or two thirty or something like that, and they're going to lose sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. Conversely, if you've got a three hundred thousand dollar house, you only owe a hundred thousand on. That's the first one they're going after. Why? Because they're going to get the whole hundred thousand. So you know this is a, a an understanding people don't have. Marcia, you did a marvelous job on that. Um, let me give Thank you, you another example. Uh, I don't know yet. Okay. All right. All right. Connie, ask you. Okay. Um, let me give you another example here of a way to move people from neutral into, into drive. And when somebody's in a situation, especially with some of the older people like this lady was, and they have assets, one of the first things we do is when they bring up the idea, well, I've got assets, I don't have to worry about that. The first question you, you want to ask in that situation is this. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have uh, uh, long-term care insurance? And they're going to look at you like you've got two heads because they're thinking, what's that got to do with anything? What's got everything to do with this? And what I mean by that is if they don't have long-term care insurance and they have a stroke and don't know what day it is and end up in a nursing home, the government will pay their nursing home stay after all the assets are used up. Now, what happens in that situation there? Everybody's battling the, the the conditions, the circumstances, forgetting everything else. She's in the nursing home. They're liquidating assets. Uh, they're, she's paying her own way. All of her, her stocks or bonds or mutual funds, everything is gone. And then finally, when they realize it, and Medicaid pays the first bill, all the assets are gone. Now, when mom or dad die a year or two or three or five years later, It's the children's credit card that has to be used for mom and dad's funeral. See, most seniors are not aware of that. Most, A lot of insurance agents, young people, are not aware of that. The other thing that a lot of people are not aware of is the fact the last thing in the world a senior citizen wants is for their own children to have to pay for mom and dad's funeral on their credit card. That's the last thing they want to do. So when we point this out, now suddenly what Marcia had to offer is going to do two things. It's going to protect the equity in the home, and if she ends up living long enough to the point that the house is paid for, now they've got money for a funeral if she ends up in a nursing home. So the kids are not going to have to use their assets for the funeral. And and the, the interesting thing of it is, is if you watch the look on their face. And guys, this goes back to the opening part of our call today. This needs to be practiced and practiced and practiced to the point that when you deliver it, you're speaking from your heart, because if you're not, you need to be speaking from your heart on this, because it's that important to let people know this information. I mean, it seemed like an insignificant thing, but Marcia shows this lady how to cover this scratch up on her floor with a nut that's value added to who she is and what she's doing. Guys, that's what this is all about. So you've just added some value to them, and if you watch the look on their face (laughs) when you share some of these things, it's, oh, (laughs) oh my gosh, I had no idea. Now, they won't verbalize that, but you can read the body language to see that's what they're saying. Dick, there's one more thing. Yes. Um,
2: I also... She she already had her burial and all that stuff taken care of. And so um, I mentioned she had kids far away. And I said, we had a friend, and they got a small policy so that when they pass, they could help the families come there because they're going to miss work. It's expensive to either fly or drive. It's time away. And I said, that's one of the nicest gifts that they gave because it relieved an immediate burden for the for the kids. And that was a big aha for her as
0: well. Are you guys listening? I mean, we got the price of the call of admission in that statement right there, Marcia. Yeah, okay, so,
1: you know, uh, that was one of the things we didn't know when we asked Marcia to be on today. But Marcia found that out. You know, a lot of times when people say, oh, I already have my final expense paid for, a lot of people fold, okay, or crumble uh, or don't know what to say. But Marcia is always prepared. And guys, I got to tell you, Dick and I just went through that this year with my mother. It's not easy to bring in uh, 14 grandkids and uh, countless great grandkids and make certain that every single one of her relatives was at the funeral. I mean, it was a lot of money, okay? And we always, Dick and I always look at each other and say, man, that's a lot of money. And then we smile and say, man, aren't we glad we had it. But wouldn't it have been nice if my mother had had that policy. I mean, there would have been a lot of joy in uh, what, Candyland or whatever they say, guys. Um, if we could have had ten, even $5,000 to put towards flights, hotels, everybody that came to my mother's funeral had to stay in a hotel. Everybody, because they were all from out of town. So a lot of times when you haven't been through it, you don't think about it, and even when you have, sometimes you forget. So I would say that when this is posted as a podcast this afternoon, I'd recommend that you put this on your schedule to go back and listen to again because when you're driving, this is way better listening than music and it fills your head with things that you really need.
0: You know, Connie, I'm glad you brought that up with your mother because she did have Mm -hmm. everything paid for. It was fine. Even the headstone was paid for. But can you imagine if when each of the grandchildren or great-grandchildren got there, we had reimbursed them for their airfare and given each of them a $100 bill for incidentals? Mm -hmm. That would have been huge. Mm -hmm. And that would have been something. And, you know, the best part of it is Connie had a second cousin that's a photographer, and she got us all lined up outside the church and got a group picture of the whole family, and I'm telling you that's that was really important. Well, guys, what you just witnessed in action here today, with what Marcia shared, is um, you get to witness this all day long in crew, because you're hearing stories all day long about what people are doing. Uh, I was looking at one of Lydia's postings this morning, and uh, you know these these things happen. And this is your opportunity to jump on there and realize how you can change lives, too. Now, Lydia didn't get tequila, okay?
1: But but Lydia definitely got uh, a lot of satisfaction this year. I had to laugh at that post. And, guys, there's a lot of folks on this call uh, that we can see right now that made uh, contributions to the team and helped a family this week and didn't take time to put it in crew. And I just want you to know that that's important. If you're making, if you're writing business, other people are encouraged by that, and you never know what your story might do for another person. This is a relationship business, and you're going to find that out when we start talking here in just a little bit about convention, which we're um, not going to record. But Dick's got a few more things to say, and then we're going to talk to you a little bit about relationships at convention.
0: Thanks, Connie. I just want to give you a a converse to what you just witnessed with, with Marcia a moment ago. One of our other agents was in a home this week, and uh, they had been to see this lady several times, and um, she was being pursued by a number of other agents, one of which was real high pressure. They were rude. They were pushy. They were trying to make a sale, and they were trying to put a square peg <coughs> excuse me, into a round hole, and <coughs> Mandy did... <coughs> An excellent job of listening to the for the clients' needs, educating, and telling what our products do, and then providing. And this is the key word, a solution. The other person, they were all they were trying to do was give prices, and they had this mindset that you sent the letter back. Uh, which one of these are you going to buy? Just price was all that mattered, and you'll find many times in this business, price is the least important thing. It's what the product will do for me. That's why we talk about the equity protection plan. You know, you know if you've got a $200,000 mortgage, what is $10,000 going to do for you? Nothing. I mean, you would insult somebody's intelligence about that. But when you turn it around and point out this $10,000, is going to provide the family with enough money to make the house payment for a year or two so that the children or grandchildren get the equity rather than giving it to a stranger. This policy for $5,000 is going to allow your family members to come in, pay for their travel, maybe even pay for their motel and some of their food so that they can come together as a family around and celebrate your life rather than mourn your death. See, these are things, guys, that if you can take these and verbalize them in such a way like you've heard done here today, that changes everything. The other agent, they were terribly ineffective in communication. All they cared about was making a sale and thinking, if I can get a cheaper price, no, That's not what's important to the client. What this is going to do for the client is what is important to them. So, Connie, I'm going to close out with this now at this point and let you cover a little bit about convention then.